Good morning, brothers and sisters. God is good all the time. This morning, I would like to start my sermon with a couple of questions. When is the last time you have sensed the prompting of the Holy Spirit? When was it? And when was the last time to, did you sense the Holy Spirit and you actually shared the gospel? Do you remember that moment? I hope you do. I hope you have. Today's passage uh, provides an example of how God-driven, spirit-led um, evangelist uh, crosses the boundary and shares the gospel to a gentle eunuch in the early church. This, I believe, was a very significant event, uh, fulfilling proleptically Acts 1.8, because Acts 1.8 concerns that the gospel would reach not only Samaria, Judea, but also to the end of the earth. And during this time, uh, Ethiopia, or the Numibian kingdom of Meroe, uh, people consider this region as the south, southern edge of the world. So the Ethiopian eunuch uh, was still in the land of Israel or Palestine, but Philip's endeavor to share the gospel was actually fulfilling uh, Acts 1 and 8. This event was considered quite significant that some church fathers also recorded of his conversion and his subsequent ministry in his own land. But I would like to take a closer look at uh, how, what kind of eunuch he was um, as we continue to uh, hear God's word. So he was from a faraway land and he's from uh, the south of Egypt. And if you go to verse 28, he was a court official and a chief finance minister of the queen of Ethiopia. This queen had a royal title, Candace. And the word eunuch used here can refer to both his position as court official, but also as uh, his identity as a castrated male. Certainly, he was a man of wealth and high status. And he was availed uh, resources to travel far away from Africa to Jerusalem. According to scholars, he traveled uh, from 1,000 miles to 1,500 miles from his home to Jerusalem. And if you consider that the chariot travel in 25 to 30 miles per hour, he had to travel at least for a month to get to Jerusalem. So he was an Ethiopian eunuch, but he had this devotion for Jewish religion. As we see from the text, he even possesses an Isaiah scroll. It was pretty expensive, not even every Jew had this scroll. We do have Bible at home. Some of them are 
under our couch or we don't know where they are. We are so rich with these blessings, but it wasn't like that during this time. And if we read today's passage, you know, he had this genuine interest. He asked for guidance. But even though he had this wealth and status, his experience in Jerusalem might have been a frustrating one because when he went to the temple, he was not able to enter the inner courts. The only place he could reach was the court of the Gentiles. So he was barred from entering into the inner courts to worship the God of Israel. But I found it fascinating that he wasn't really frustrated. On his way home, he still reads scripture while traveling. And this reminds of um, Deuteronomy 6, Shema, you know. Children are to, taught to read, you know, while they're on the road, right? So, though he was a Gentile eunuch, he had a lot of devotion and passion for the Jewish religion. And this is the context where God intervened and bring the gospel to this Gentile. As I read this passage, I see two things um, standing out. The first thing is God's sovereignty in orchestrating his salvation. He works through his Holy Spirit to reach this unit. And the other point is that God also uses a spirit-filled, obedient servant to do this cross-cultural mission. So we want to focus on these two things as we re reflect upon this text. Let's turn to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. In the first half of chapter 8, because of the persecution broken out in Jerusalem, a lot of disciples ran away. And P, uh, Philip happened to visit Samaria, and he had this amazing citywide gospel revival. But now, uh, God is setting a new journey for him. Now he is going to the south, to the southbound route to Gaza, which was the wilderness desert place. And now he is all alone. He is not like the eunuch. He had to travel on his foot. And the expression to the south can also be translated as at noonday. And some translations have uh, translated that way. So if it was at noon he was traveling, he had to fight the burning sun. So we see that God sovereignly works with him to lead him to another ministry direction. But from the human perspective, it poses these challenges. What was his response? If you go to verse 26 and 27, um, especially 27, uh, Luke says, 
and he rose and went. In fact, Luke uses the same verbs that he used uh, in the words of the angel. The angel says to Philip, rise and go, and Philip rose and went. Uh, two Greek verbs, anistemi and poriomai. So this shows that he simply obeyed the angel's word. In fact, in the Bible, there are several characters that have not obeyed God's word, like Jonah. A similar expression we see, rise and go, but Jonah disobeys. Peter, when he he's about to encounter Cornelius, also he's vacillating, he's perplexed. And there are other examples when Moses was called and Jeremiah. But Philip simply obeyed the Lord and arrived at some point of the, of the road that leads to Gaza. Thankfully, he was not lost. The Spirit continued to prompt him by speaking to him, go over and join this chariot. So we see that God is continually working to lead him to this eunuch. But you have to understand that he wasn't sure. When God had led him to this area, he didn't know, but he obeyed. I would like you to focus on verse 30. It's very interesting how Luke pays attention to the manner Philip gets to the chariot. In verse 30, it says, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. If you know well, um, about Luke and Acts, there are many running scenes. Upon seeing the so-called prodigal son, the compassionate father runs to welcome his son. The chief collector, Zacchaeus, desiring to see Jesus, runs and climbs up into a sycamore tree. Perplexed by the resurrection report, Peter runs to the tomb to look inside. After Peter healed a lame beggar at the gate of the temple, the astounded and curious crowd run and gather around him. And when Peter was released from the prison miraculously, he knocked on the door of the house of Mary. The servant girl Rhoda saw her, but he was, she was so excited that she forget to open the gate, but so runs into the home, the place, to report who she has just seen. So all this running is associated with some kind of excitement and passion for someone or something. Likewise, the evangelist ran to the chariot. Of course, the chariot might have been moving, and he was trying to catch that. But regardless of that, we understand that he immediately obeyed the, the Spirit's guidance. And from there on, Philip knew what, why he was there for. As Eunuch was reading Scripture, and as he asked the question, whether he, you know, understood what he was reading, the eunuch expresses his need for help and invites him to his chariot. And here's the good news about Jesus. And at the end, the eunuch is baptized and returns home with joy. And we have a very special ending. The Holy Spirit teleports Philip to Azotus, to continue to preach the gospel in the coastal regions until he reaches Caesarea. 
So this is a fascinating story that God takes the initiative and uses his spirit-filled servant to reach this Gentile eunuch, marginalized in the mainstream of Judaism because he was not able to be circumcised because he was castrated. But he had that desire, that devotion to God of Israel, and he met him on that road. Uh, brothers and sisters, do you believe that uh, this kind of spirit um, prompting evangelism is still possible? I grew up as a pastor's kid. I grew up hearing the Bible stories, and I was always um, obedient kids most of my life, except a few years in my teenage years. But in the past five, six years, I had more encounter with the guidance of the Holy Spirit I, as I was serving in the mission field. From year 2015 to 2020, my family and I, uh, we were in the Philippines as missionaries um, helping my parents. My parents are church planters in the Philippines. And we focus on evangelism like never before. I was already a pastor before I went to the Philippines. I used to preach the gospel, but I was doing uh, rarely. But when I went to the Philippines, I started to share the gospel in all occasions. When I go to uh, a mall, when I was uh, sitting at a food court, when I was riding a taxi, when I was in a park, God started to use me to share the gospel to the Filipinos. While I was doing so, my wife wasn't able to do much because my kids were young, and she grew up in Korea, so she had, um, uh, had a struggle with her English. But in year 2017, God started to pour on heart this idea that we should go to this park on a regular basis to preach the gospel. So even though she wasn't fluent, she obeyed the Lord's calling, and we decided to go to this park every Saturday with our eldest. And initially, she didn't share the gospel because um, she was shy about her English. But eventually, she felt that she also needed to share the gospel. So in 2018, in March, um, one Saturday evening, we parted from each other and we started to share the gospel separately. So I went to meet my own group, and my wife also went on to uh, find his, her own group. And I was sharing the gospel to that group, and, and my wife was sharing gospel to two sisters. I was uh, done a little earlier, so I joined my wife. And she was just listening to the story of these two sisters. And she asked me to share the gospel, so I just wanted to hear their story once again. And they started to share their story. And that story was a tragic story. Uh, the older sister, she was supposed to get married in the, in the previous months, in the month of February. 
But in that uh, month, um, her fiancé got into a motorcycle accident and he died. Sorry, it was the month that I, we met this sister, March, they were supposed to get married. But the previous month, there was this motorcycle accident. That's why she had no emotion on her face. Her face was very dark. And I knew that the Holy Spirit led us there to share the gospel. And I knew that God has power to heal this soul. But I also realized that with mere words, I couldn't change her heart. I couldn't comfort her heart. My mind just blacked out. I wasn't able to think anything. So I was just silent. But suddenly, there was this inner voice. Share your story of miscarriage. A few months ago, we had a miscarriage. And it was one of the most tragic events that happened to our lives. And we were still healing. My wife and I were not really talking about this. But suddenly, I hear this voice that urges me to share this story. And I couldn't bear it anymore, so I shared our story. We lost our child. We can sympathize with you a little bit because also we lost our child. But how much greater suffering have you suffered? You have shared a lot of memories. You have everything planned out, your honeymoon, your home, your future career and family. While I was sharing, I wasn't sure where this conversation was going. Somehow I made a breach, but I didn't know what would come next. I felt that it wasn't really enough. So I kind of became silent in my mind, wondering what, I, what should I say next. And there was this inner voice coming again. Now share God's version of the loss of his son. So I started to share that God had an eternal plan to sacrifice his only son while our loss feels like accident. But this wasn't an accident. This was very intentional. God intentionally lost his son to save us from sin and from brokenness and from the reality of this broken world that we lose our loved ones. And I said that while this life can be difficult, there is another life, new heavens and earth. And I read uh, uh, Revelation chapter 21 um, about the, the reality, the permanent reality that we will have if we come to Jesus Christ. This opened their heart, and at the end, we were praying together, and one of the sisters were full of tears and gratitude. In our ministry in the Philippines, God really led us in so many different ways, in so many miraculous ways. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage this morning. We emphasize the good work, the kind work of the good Samaritan, right? A man coming down from Jerusalem. 
But if you think about the broken world, we need the good spirit-filled evangelist who preaches the gospel to this Ethiopian eunuch who comes also from Jerusalem going down to his own land. We need to share the gospel. And sometimes it feels very difficult and challenging. But as we see from this story, God is sovereign in his work to reach out to the world. And God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can work with him. As we become obedient, he will use us to open doors for the unbelieving, hungry world. So brothers and sisters, may God bless all of us this morning with the fullness of the Holy Spirit an obedient heart so that we can reach out to the world, to the end of the earth, to the end of our life. Amen.